welcome to this episode of Rowdy Reviews with uh, my friend Cameron. Hey there. Um, today on this episode, we're going to be reviewing the movie Spirited Away. Produced yeah. by Hayao Miyazaki and uh, produced by Studio Jubilee, which honestly, in my opinion, is like one of the best studios when it comes to anime and all time. Um, so Cameron, um, what drew you to liking anime and specifically like films made by Studio Jubilee? Because I remember you said you're a decent fan of the Studio Jubilee movie series. Yeah, so pretty much um, my anime, that all started you know, way back to Dragon Z. Uh, but wow. I, uh, in terms of Studio Ghibli, was kind of introduced it in the traditional, you know, to and then um, I went to uh, Castle and eventually Spirit to the Way. And then I've just been running through the catalog. Mm-hmm. That sounds like how almost every person that I know like, is a decent fan of anime. They discovered, I, am, I don't know if you ever had Adult Swim growing up on Cartoon Network. Yeah, yeah, so I, that's I discovered my enjoyment of anime because they had Cowboy Bebop. They had Dragon Ball Z, they had Inuyasha, they had Yo-Yo, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho, and those are just overall. I, I really enjoyed the more masculine side of anime. It, like, it was like a really aggressive, really after, really in your face. And then I think the, the first Studio Julie film I watched, I think I was like 10, and it was Kiki's Delivery Service. Mm. And they, from then on there, like, I saw My Neighbor Totoro. And then, actually, in one of my high school World Religions course, my junior year of high school, we watched Spirited Away and studied the themes of Confucianism. And we had to write, like, a 10-page paper about it, the, the religious themes of Spirited Away, since there is actually a decent amount of, like, Eastern Oriental views, like, within the movie that, like, it's really good to take away from. And I don't know if you felt that way when, when it comes to Spirited Away. Like, on, like, Spirited Away up there is one of my favorite Stu Jubilee filmed all the time next to, I don't know if you ever watched it, The Grave of Fireflies, which is just a beautifully depressing anime, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I knew that uh, Spirit of was one of the more heavily on uh, films in terms of throwing in um, that part of Japanese culture. Um, I mean, Totoro nothing crazy. So it, it really is a beautiful film in terms of presenting them in a way that really hasn't been done past before that Miyazaki has explored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's how I felt a way about this too, because like a lot of Miyazaki's, like a lot of Studio Jubilee films, like are like very cute and very like soft films and then you get like you got you got spirit away which honestly if you had not seen it before there is gonna be some things that will definitely like when i remember when i first watched it in high school i was definitely like creeped out by no face like he definitely was an entity that just really soaked in like my human emotion of fear and then there's um, princess mononoke which is like probably one of the more violent um studio if not the most violent studio jubilee film but it's a beautiful film about understanding like the like the that mother nature is like a living being and that's what in there alongside a few other things and then there's Game of Fireflies which is a, a, an anime about po- post 
World War II Japan was pretty much about how America disestablished an entire nation for long periods of time until they became the nation itself. And me, like, I know a lot of the writers for that, like, this is the anime, like, were emotionally attached to Game of Fireplaces. They lived through the aftermath of America dropping the two atomic bombs. And I just think when it comes to Studio Ghibli films, they're able to capture so many emotions that a lot of other, like, there's Disney movies, and don't get me wrong, I love Disney movies, but I think when it comes to Studio Ghibli, those movies, like, definitely made my childhood a lot better growing up, in my opinion. I think specifically, um, you know, me as, as this way of creating a universe that absorbs the imagination of it doesn't matter what age you are, but you just get sunk in in a way so incredibly different than a Disney movie. Because Disney, you, know, you explore the universe, and but Miyazaki pulls you in and you stay in. Yeah, and that's what really amazing. Like, I remember watching Kiki's Delivery Service at a young age. I was really drawn to the what's going to happen next in the film. And like when the, it ended, I was like sad. Like I want to know more what's going to happen in her life with Kiki. And when Disney movies, I feel like when it ends, when it's over, it's over. Like oh, they, they live he- happily ever after. And a lot of in a lot of Studio Ghibli films, it just it's you want to know more. And I think with anime, anime has a really good th- way of doing that. I know if you like in um with Cowboy Bebop, want to know more what happens with the, the Bebop crew, and you don't. And I know we're gonna get into that uh, that TV show probably later on in the next few months. But uh, <clears throat> so let's just get started on the, the plot. And yeah. Pretty much overall, like a, a summary from before the spoiler alert. It's pretty much a little girl gets lost in the bathhouse and just complete insanity ensues. And uh, it's a it just starts off, Chinchiro and her parents are traveling to, like, the new home, like, up in the mountainside of uh, Japan. They are driving through. Chinchiro is just a, being a little child, just very into her, like, her own being. And her parents are just, like, kind of frustrated with her. Like, I think I got that kind of view. Like, the, like the dad wants to explore, and Chinchiro just wants to do what little kids do. And so, like, they stop at a uh, abandoned, like, what looks like, the, like an abandoned amusement park, and they find a restaurant, like, stock with food, which it just odd. So, like, they start to eat, and then she's, like, exploring, and she finds Haku, a little boy, who, does, does he work at the bathhouse? I don't remember. I saw this movie, like, a, like a few days ago, prepared for this. It's, like, some yeah. yeah, he and it's, uh, uh... Mm-hmm. So she, they meet her. I mean, they meet each other. And then, like, while this is happening, the parent, like, Chinchiro, like, gets freaked out because she sees all these weird apparitions popping up. And she discovered her parents have turned into pigs. And, like, that whole sequence, when I first saw it in high school, I was just not emotionally ready for that to happen to see two full, fully grown adults just turn into pigs. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. And I, th- I remember, like, my teacher, when we watched, I don't know if you ever watched movies in high school where, when you watch, like, the teacher would stop and then go into, like, a long explanation about, like, the, the movie. And because we had that in my high school, with, especially with this teacher, Ms. Pedersen, great, great teacher. She paused the movie and she's like, okay, look, this represents the gluttony in society that they're trying to portray. Like, like the more they eat, the more pig life they are. And so they poor become pigs. But I butchered that. She's like, she went into, like, a long 20-minute rant about it and then continue the movie we watched this movie for like a solid two weeks when 
who watched them in high school. And so as they're eating, they see after, after she turns the pigs, uh, do you remember exactly what happens? Like the, the uh, is this she like swept up in the cast of everyone coming in to go to the bathhouse? Yeah, so um the she tried to escape, run back to where the cars parked and then um all of a sudden what was supposed to be a desolate plain where it's just grassland and rock is now a fully rushing over a river with a boat coming across with spirits. Yeah. And those are, um, I think, I know people said like, that's the spirit realm. And like, in some sense, like all these spirits are coming into this new realm. And that's like, how would you describe like what was going on in there? Cause I remember like, there's like a lot of different interpretations that I've kind of seen from this. Like, I would like to get what your take is. Um, you know, it could be represented as, uh, you know, crossing over, um, you know, from other portrayals of specifically, I'm thinking of Japanese spirits, um, you know, they're doing their own thing out in the world. And so in my mind, they're coming for a break, like the bathhouse is a break from the everyday life that they live as spirits in the in our world among humans. That's I remember someone described the bathhouse as like a truck as like a rest stop in the spirit world universe where spirits come and go and they rest there and they like eat and interact with each other on a like a metaphysical plane and that's where she gets stuck in is that's that spot in the bathhouse. It's like how like how one of my friends described it. Yeah. And so this, like, she gets stuck, and so she has to find a way to find food for herself and get money. So Haku finds, uh, finds her a job uh, at the boiler room, I think. And so she just pretty much is a servant for uh, uh, Kamaji. I, didn't, I know Kamaji at first, like, refused to hire her, and then one of the workers helped, like, Yubaba, Yububa, I can't, uh, some of these names are so hard to pronounce. Like, she gets a job in the bathhouse just doing the work for all these people, and it's like, looks really god-awful. And I remember um, one of my teachers described uh, this movie was trying to give their own view of the, like, I know they brought up, like, child labor and the geisha culture mm -hmm. and treatment of geishas and children in Japan, like, during that era. Then how um, these kids, like, were being either forced to perform adult acts on people, like, because they were, they were poor and they can't afford to do much. So, like, they're willing to do anything to get money. And, like, you don't really see that in this film, thankfully, but you see that how um, Chinhiro has to pretty much, she has to clean the bathhouse, feed people, get vomited on by, uh, by no face. And it's like, you understand, like, the pain and the misery she's going through because she's stuck in the spirit world. And uh, what, what's, what's your view on that? Like that whole thing with her working in the bathhouse and just trying to earn her keep to like to figure out what's going on. Yeah, it's it's an interesting um, loophole because I remember Haku um, said, you know, the one thing that's going to keep you safe is if you work here because Yubaba can't refuse uh, someone who asks for work. But if you don't ask for work, she's going to get you. So... Mm -hmm. I don't know. To me, it was 
the first time that I saw it, it just felt so natural. And I think that's a testament to Miyazaki because it was like, you know, what else is she going to do? Run around and be scared? Like, and, you know, you see that, especially at the beginning, she was really, really scared. But I think um, her, the person who she, who she was assigned to be an assistant to, I think her name's Lynn, um, really kind of took her underneath her wing and said, like, it'll be okay. You know, I'll show you the ropes. And it's not going to be as scary as you think it is. But, you yep. know, of course, chaos ensues. She's been introduced to the system that is the bathhouse. And I'm going to be honest, like, Yababa was like, when I first saw Yababa, I was just, it creeped me out the first time. And like, I, was, I didn't understand how to uh, handle first seeing her because I was like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And like, there's things in this that you're, I'm just more like, whoa, what is a, he definitely knows how to extract feeling like with each character, like how you should feel when it comes to each character in the movie. And that's what I really appreciate about Spirit Away is like they're able to like draw my human emotions out of, out of everything. <clears throat> and so they, they go through, they, she, he continues to work. She gets a contract working. Um, she works there for a while and then doesn't uh, Kawanashi appear or No Face to feed, like we pretty much stay at the bathhouse or whatever. Is how you describe it? I mean, um, I especially this recent time of watching it is no face allowed in unless in yet. Seems like there must be instructed. Don't this guy she hears and in and for you. And that's kind of way in. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, pretty much, like, at this point, like he pretty much just runs amok and just eats everything in sight, and pretty much desires more, and represents like the idea of greed or like wanting more in the society is how uh, I would describe it. And one of I remember before coming up. Kawanashi appears, um, Yababa changes Chinhiro's name to Sen, and she actually visits her parents in um, uh, the pig pen they and they don't even recognize her. She like, barely recognizes her parents have just fully developed into pigs, into like, what they've become. And doesn't, oh, excuse me, I'm trying to think. Sen gives her, because uh, I'm looking over the, uh, like some notes I took over this when I was at work the other day, and um, so like she like Chinero has forgotten her name, like has forgotten who she is because she's been so lost in the hard labor of the bathhouse. She's like kind of lost her identity as a person and starting to lose herself like every day at work. And I remember my teacher explaining to us the idea of this is like when people are forced into that lifestyle of pretty much like of being trafficked. I'm not saying she's being trafficked, but they're trying to get the idea of like what that culture was back then. Um, of like child labor is uh, they lose a piece of themselves. Like they don't enjoy their childhood essentially. And so they're lost and they forget what it is to be a child and what it is to like be happy. 
and in this case, she just forgets her name. She forgets her total identity as a person. And um, what's your what's your view on that, Cameron? It's like, 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 what do you gather from that? Like, once like it gets up to that scene of the movie. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I I was looking over what other people have described, and um, specifically with the name portion of this, and. Um, I like what someone said, and they said that um, really, um, you know, your name represents your heritage and your family line, whether it's, you know, your first or last name, you, you got it somehow, um, and it ties you to your past, and I think once Yubaba takes that away as your transaction for working, you know, that's like basically saying, this is your reality now. Like, I own you and you have, this is, you should have no connection to your past because this is where you are. This is who you are, is work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I, that's like kind of what I figured. And like as, because uh, I know Haku and Lynn show sympathy to Tenhiro or Sin, however you want to call her, because she's still a human, you know, she's not a spirit. And thing like that's where like, I, I, I had to stop and realize when I was rewatching this a few days ago, I was like, she still technically is a spirit. I know some people describe this either as purgatory or just like a rest stop in the spirit realm from this true spirit realm and the world or however they call it in their culture. And uh, she invites, uh, she invites Kamenashi in believe in it like he's a customer and uh it's also a stinks i remember the stink spirit scene is funny because uh he's he's a spirit of the polluted river so like all these like like things in their world like a polluted river um it comes in and pretty much just vomits everywhere and i'm I'm, like when i say this i really appreciate the artists of studio jubilee because they are so good at being able to so the true expression of these people's faces and the colors it was beautiful throughout all the films in this scene. Like it was just so funny just to see the stink, the stink spirit just vomit everywhere, and everyone's just like swimming in it, and everyone's just trying their best to clean it up. And another thing is the music of all their films are just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like wouldn't you agree? Like there, it just captures every single emotion that there is out there. And um, some I I used to st- like when I was at uh, Union. I called you both attended at one point. I used to study two Studio Jubilee music because it was so peaceful. And it was able to, like, to bring down my heart rate and just like be able to put me in a certain places then that I'd be able to study better. And that's, that's, that's what draws me to Studio Jubilee films in general, like the music and the artwork and the storyline. It's all meshed together really, really well. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but that's, that's how I see it. Like, wouldn't you agree that their, their, their music and the way they draw their animations is pretty well done? Yeah, yeah, I think um, that's where I think uh, you can kind of draw a comparison between, um, you know, especially Disney in this sense, because Disney and Studio Ghibli both find um, a huge, huge amount of value in the soundtrack for their films because it just keeps reinforcing the emotion and the point in the world that they're trying to establish. And um, 
it was Studio Ghibli, it transcends beyond the movie itself because like you said, people just want to listen to it just for the sake of listening to it because it just brings you back and it also just really brings you to a place of calm and also just general imagination. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think when it comes to younger generations, spirit, like, I, I feel like there's like an anime renaissance almost where like kids like are being very open about being fans of anime. Because I remember when I was in high school, I don't know if it was like for you, when I was in high school, I never told like some of my closest friends like knew I watched anime, but they didn't know I really wasn't that deep in anime. Because uh, it was just people just weren't fans of it. Now like everyone's a huge anime fan. It's on Netflix, it's on Hulu, it's on Amazon Prime. It's like more accessible. When I, I had to watch anime, I had to illegally download it or God forbid, I had to go and buy a DVD copy of an anime film. And that's why I'm happy that these films are becoming readily available because I feel like these films teach a lesson about life and about what it is to be more human in like such a unique way that kids can understand. And that's why I really enjoy this film because I like the aspect of greed, that greed is not good, greed is not your God, as the way like some, like, it's like almost like a calling of Western culture where we, I, I have this idea of worshiping the God of material things and trying to get up there. Like if the more, the better, the more money we have or the more nice things we have, it will take us up to a higher level of consciousness is like what I gather. And I, and I feel like this movie is definitely trying to push away from that and like when you understand I remember it was we were watching the movie because we learned about Confucianism and and Japanese religion and like the different like Buddhism and like the different types of faiths and ideologies that Japan has and they brought up like how it's a a type of Buddhist monk Um, pretty much they I don't think it's Buddhist but it's a type of monk in Japan where they have a broom in front of them and they put like they they uh sweep the boom in front of them to keep them from harming things because they are not trying to harm others and they're not trying to, they don't demand much. They just need a clear path. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this film was trying to portray when it came to a lot of things. Like for example, like when uh, they find um, the knife stuck in the stink spirit, is it the stink spirit they find the knife and they pull it out and like a whole bunch of junk comes out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... I believe the first thing was a bike and I was looking into that and this is actually the stink spirit part is actually um, autobiographical to Miyazaki because he at one point actually pulled a bike from like a trashy swamp area. So he wanted to bring that in from his childhood. Mm-hmm. Which I think is like, especially in today's times, like, we're destroying the planet like once at a time like we're we're speeding up our own extinction and i think it's really good to, like, for the kids to see this like people were talking about the pollution of mother earth and and in the way like like the stink spirit represented like mother nature because it was this it was the it was this like the the lake spirit or the river spirit but it was polluted that's why it was sick mm-hmm. and it was sick because of humanity because we're the own catalyst of our own destruction, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Not to be too much of a nihilist, and just like that's the way um, it's the thing is starting to become. And you see, Chinchero is starting to overcome a lot of her hardships because she realizes, like, yeah, that's where she is now. But 
she's starting to understand like she can persevere through this. And so that happened and at like, when they dumped it out, I didn't remember um No Face is there. Like he's right behind, he is right behind Shakespeare. And he doesn't does he swallow the Shakespeare or does the Sphinx uh, the Shakespeare swallow him? Because I know no no face eats him because no face starts eating everything. Yeah, I think um at the um River Spirit gets all cleaned up and just leaves. And then, but before then, uh, presents Chihiro with that, um, the medicine, um, as she calls it, the the medicinal gift from the River Spirit. And then he just kind of pieces out and goes wherever. Um, I think around that time, that's when No Face starts wiggling his way in around get trying to give people gold if I'm remembering correctly mm-hmm. I just remember um, he just like has a unique sound and this is the way I'll describe every time No Face appears <sighs> and I, I kid you not like if you've never seen Spirit Away that's the, that's the noise he makes and for the rest of that semester even like I even saw a guy from that, my uh, class recently and I did that noise to him, and he understood it perfectly. Like, he was cracking up that I still remember that we used to do that towards each other. And I think No, like, uh, no Face in general is just a very interesting piece of the unit, like, of, like, that realm. It's like, how would you describe, like, what was No Face to Spirit away? Like, what was his purpose of being there, in your opinion? I really think he was the ultimate driving home um, embodiment of greed. But uh, one thing about him in terms of greed is he, it, it wasn't just greed for the sake of greed. It was greed with the use of manipulation for greed and using people for the sake of his own greed. Um, because as, if, you, if you notice, like he would always like to entice people it would be like I'm gonna give you something and you're gonna give me a lot in return and then that being you know one of the first of his victims was that frog to give him the his voice the ability to speak and demand and all this type of stuff and it seems like in or his rule is that I you have to accept my your uh, fall into your own greed for me to get my greed Mm-hmm. It's a really good. That's really a description of like how No Face was seen in like my class, and this is like if you want to remember, because I remember I uh, looked over some of my old notes from high school, and like, I remember briefly it was like taking a few notes about the Spirit Away film, and I just remember um, there's this one character that creeped me out so much, and see, it was Bob the baby, mm-hmm. and he was just a, just a true entity of just sheer just human of like greed like he was like i feel like he was almost greedier than um uh, no face no face was a like was greedy but like i feel like it was greedy without a conscience mm-hmm. because that's just the that's the way that he's been shaped with Bo or Bo. he is he knows exactly like he is very like malicious when it comes to his greed and what he wants and you can see him when he's talking he's like you don't want to make me angry and it's creepy. Like I remember watching this in high school. I was creeped out by this character and it disturbed me. And 
he just want all they want is more, and you get Haku, who is was just trying to lead her to the right path, and is just trying to like save Sen, and just protect her. And so like, I think during this whole thing when everyone's getting eaten, does she just pretty much dips off her and tries to run away? I I remember, and um, is this? I'm trying to think. When does the dragon appear in the in the series? Because I like, remember my notes aren't as good as I thought they were, and the dragon is uh, it's Haku, and the dragon's Haku. And how would you describe like the like her meeting Haku, like Haku in a dragon form for the first time? How would you describe that? Um. Well, it kind of, you know, it's kind of a strange thing, especially seeing the movie for the first time. You're just like, what is he? You see a dragon all of a sudden. I know they, you know, earlier they allude to it that he is a dragon because Chihiro looks up at the sky and then sees, uh, you know, where Haku once was, a dragon all of a sudden takes off. Um, And then when that first interaction, you just see, like, what is this dragon being attacked by? Because he's being attacked. He's, like, dodging and swarming and all this type of stuff. And then it's, like, paper angels i guess yeah and yeah it's just super it's such a weird scene to see for that first time because you're just like what is happening you know a dragon is supposed to be this ultimate symbol of strength and courage and majesty and then it's being attacked by paper And 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 uh, what you're talking about? They're called uh, shikigame, and it's a type of kame, and it's a type of spirit within Shinto culture. And that's the word I was looking for. I had to Google it real quick. And uh, just to clarify, like I'm not an expert of Japanese culture. For anyone who's listening, I I'm not an expert, but I am I am a huge fan, and I'm trying to be. We're both trying to be as respectful as possible. Mm-hmm. We butcher things. Do not please don't be offended. It's just. We're ignorant, but we're trying to fix that. It's 2019. We're not purposely doing it. Please don't cancel us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to clarify that. And so, like, there's, I remember they're fighting, and Haku crashes into Yubaba's house, and uh, Shichiro follows him upstairs. And and so, let's see, Shin, when she goes up there, like, there's, she's still being followed by the Shinokame. And she goes in there and she meets Yubaba's twin, Zenbeba, who mutates into Bo and then into Mouse and then into the game Bo because she's able to defeat him in a way. And I was like, how would you describe like the defeat of Bo? Like, because you saw him as like this strong creature. And I know when I guess Haku crashes because like all, all these things happen like a very fast amount of time. Like the climax of this movie happens rapidly. Wouldn't you say mm-hmm. so? Oh yeah, definitely. It just—it's a. How would you describe the climax of this movie? Because like the way I describe it is, Haku crashes because he is the. Uh, apparently, I where's my note for that? Because he's a, he's a river spirit. He crashes, defeat. They defeat. Like, Yo, Yobaba is like defeated in a way, that um, sh- that Shinjiro truly cared about another person other than herself because. Throughout this whole movie, I, I feel like Shichiro had the idea, like, it's all about me. 
and for her parents, it was all about them, and that's why they turned into pigs. That's why Shinshira was forced into labor. And when she truly cared about someone else other than her, that's what broke the curse, and that's what started to set them free. And pretty much, it's like the end of the movie, and they fly off and drops her off near like the where the the everything started. And she gains her identity back. Her parents come back in the normal form. And they they walk back to their car. And everything's back to normal. And, like, their car's covered in dust. and looks like it's been a, uh, some while now. And Jichiro is wearing uh, the hairband that no face gave to her back to her home. And it, and a lot of people, theor- like, wonder if that... um that Chinchiro has been dead this and I remember someone brought this up as Chinchiro possibly has been dead this entire time and this was her spirit going to heaven like in a sense like a more a higher a happier place because she's learned to accept in order to love herself she has to love others because that's how she was able to truly free herself of the world and like the material things within this world and understand suffering and I just thought that was, the whole film was beautiful. And how would you describe the climax of the film? I know I kind of butchered it for people that have seen this film way more than I have. Like, how would you describe it in your in your view? Yeah, I mean, it, it's very much like a multi-parallel story or scenes going on all at the same time because you have the fall of um, Haku, you know, to the curse of Zaniba because um, Yababa, you know, since Haku is under the control of Yababa, Yababa wants more power, of course. So she, he sa- she says, go get the, se- the golden seal of my sister. Contains a lot of magic. He goes, steals it. Well, that seal has a curse on it for anyone who is not Zaniba. Um, and so he gets back really wounded you know because he's been attacked by these uh what would you say they were called again shiki sh- uh shikigama shikigama um that were sent by Z- uh zaniba and he's really wounded they end up in the boiler room um and i always forget his name what's the boiler man's name again oh yeah kamaji kamaji uh, Kamaji's there helping him out and then at the same time you know you got no face just tearing up the whole um, bathhouse with his greed and so you know uh, the, it eventually comes down to you know Chihiro has to make the call look I gotta deal with no face and I have to save Haku and I'm just we're this is what we're gonna have to do and so she goes and just basically tells no face. Hey, I'm done with you. You know, like you gotta, you gotta stop. I don't, there's nothing that you can give me that I want. And that really makes him mad because he wants to manipulate her so bad. Um, and she's not falling for it. And so, you know, chase scene of no face trying to get Chihiro and she eventually got him um, out of the bathhouse, which she says, I think it makes him crazy or something. Um, and then him and uh, 
her and uh, Bo, who was turned into a mouse by Zaniba earlier because she said your brain, a body to match your brain or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they eventually are, you know, uh, Chihiro's like, we gotta, I want to apologize to Zaniba and maybe that'll make Haku feel better. So they make the trek all the way to Zaniba's house for the apology. Um, And I think that's the real turning point and more of the uh, um, downslope for the story because that's that point where it's like, I'm going to throw everything away and just do something for the sake of helping someone else. Yeah, and I feel like that was like the main theme of this film was like, there's more to your humanity than just yourself. It's about caring for other people, caring for, like, you definitely hear that, like, you see that when, the curse broke is such because she loved Haku. Mm-hmm. And that's what's all, like, you know, her love for Haku more than her love for herself. Because she's pretty much essentially going to sacrifice herself to keep Haku alive. Or just, like, pay the debt. And when she tells, like, when once the no-face spirit is, like, redeemed of himself, he spits out that sludge, remember? I don't mm-hmm. know, like, and then that cl- that's what cleanses him. Because I think that sludge represents all his greed and all his animosity and all his jealousy of wanting more. And that's what cleansed his spirit. And when it, her parents turned back from being pigs to just normal people, that was, I don't, I don't like their arc was essentially like they're going to be pigs until their daughter, her, their, her, their own daughter, Chichiro, realizes like where she needs to go and like what she needs to be more as a, as a person. And I just thought it was very interesting, like the end of the film. I remember like, like my teacher put a lot of focus into the idea, like maybe she's dead and just moving on into a different spirit realm. And because like, you, look, you go out there and the car's covered in dust and we don't really know how much time has passed. Um, like, how would you interpret the ending of this film? Like the, like the end when they're just driving off, but you see that the, the like, are, am I just reading too much into that scene? Or could that be like a bit bigger detail that Miyazaki was trying to get us to see? You know, I, I, I haven't really heard the, um, you know, death and moving on uh, piece of it, but it does make sense in a way if you look at it that way, because, you know, especially at the beginning, you think about how like, the dad all of a sudden for some reason is just like takes off in his car, just going crazy driving down this like uh, unpaved road. And they're just like, ah, stop, you know, you're driving crazy, all that stuff. That could have been an accident or however you want to interpret that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, and uh, Haku um or Kohaku at this point in the near the end, however you want to interp- uh, say his name at that point, um, he tells her, you know, go meet your parents and don't look back. And that very well could be like, hey, you've learned your lesson and you need to not stick with the past and you need to move on. That could easily be the next, you know, like, him that big signaling of you're moving on to a better place. Um, 
I think another, if you want to take it to like literal to where it's like, they literally just, you know, she broke free of the spirit world and she's going on to live her life. Um, I've heard of this as like the kind of uh, Ghibli, um, you know, uh, coming of age because you have a young girl who is thrown into a mystical world, kind of like um, Wizard of Oz and Alice in Wonderland, where ultimately chaos ensues and they turn out better from it. Um, and I think that also could apply here because, you know, she's plunged through the chaos of, you know, uh, put through the fire of like, it's not all about you. You need to learn that, especially as, you know, a young, um, a teenager, I assume she is, uh, where it's like, it's not going to all be about you. You have to care about other people. And that's what really is going to ma uh, matter. And I think that was her ultimate lesson. And Haku saying, you know, don't turn around, saying, like, don't go back to the way that you were before. Care about other people and move forward with your life. Mm -hmm. And that's an extremely good parallel. And I'm like, the way I viewed it was that she's asleep in the car. And this is like a spiritual journey in her mind in a dream. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I viewed it, is that she's that's the way I interpret it and in that it's more, it's a coming of age story in her mind. And she experienced all this through a very lucid dream and she gets up and she's in her car with her parents. And that's the way I viewed it. Viewed it. And I really appreciate the way you interpreted it. It's definitely, it definitely showed a lot is uh, she's definitely overcoming a lot of like hardships in her life. Um, pretty much in, like she pretty much had to endure the fact that she worked in a bathhouse and that she had to endure lots of parents turned to pigs and all these very traumatizing things. But in order that she had to experience all this to find herself, you know? And I feel like for me, like I feel like I've learned a lot of lessons in life the hard way, but I wouldn't get to where I'm at in life if it wasn't for that. And I feel like as I think our generation is going to experience more than any other generation. We're going to experience a lot of hardships before we get to a place where we can truly like be at peace. And like, I don't think we're going to ever, like, I don't think our generation, like if, if you're in your twenties, I think like, I think you want to say from high school graduation till maybe you're like, you've hit your thirties, like your, your twenties are going to be a, forever battle of trying to somewhat fulfill Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And you may just fulfill the basic needs and not get up there. And I feel like this movie like, wants you to understand like, you have to be happy with where you're at in your hierarchy of needs. And guess what? It might not be the best, but you have to accept it for, for what it is. And you have to be able to just push through it. And you see Chinchiro realize that. And like when they say, don't turn back, don't turn back on that thought of, I need more this, I need more that. Because we can turn Maz's hierarchy needs to myself's hierarchy of what I want. And that's just like how I see it. I don't know like, if you would agree on that or if you disagree, just let me know. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely, um, I see, you know, what you're saying with, you know, being content where you're at. Because, you know, um, that's kind of like, I think that also comes back to just genuine gratitude for, you know, where you're at in life, because 
you know, at the beginning of the movie, she was not gracious or she didn't have any sort of uh, gratitude. She was, you know, she was homesick in the sense of like, I'm leaving all my friends and stuff, which is completely natural. But at the same time, um, I think that was used as a tool to show like, she's not content with where she's at. Um, and to show the audience, us, like, you can be con content and you can show gratitude. And while also, you know, honoring like, hey, my past is full of a lot of um, things to be grateful for as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like this movie is definitely a movie that um, I think more people should see. Especially if you were an upcoming anime fan, like like whatever age group, I definitely think Spirit of Film is a film that you should watch if you really want to have a better understanding of like what a quality anime is. And like I would almost describe uh, Miyazaki as like the Stanley Kubrick of anime because like his whole entire collection is just sheer gold. Because like I have a hard time thinking of any bad Miyazaki film compared to like my fandom of like Stanley Kubrick who has created all these films in so many different genres. And the same with Miyazaki. He's created love stories. He's created war film, war animes. He's created um, so like a, like a vast like variety of animes that can please everyone. And the same with well, Stanley Kubrick made. His films are a bit different. It's like a very odd comparison. But that's the way I would describe um, Miyazaki's films. And anime, and just like anime has a unique unique way of capturing many emotions. I feel like anime gets a bad rap based off of the objectification of women and um, uh, people just assuming that it's every anime is essentially hentai porn. Is the, is, and, that, and, and I don't mean that to be crude. I mean, that's really what people say. is like, oh, you're into that squid stuff. I'm like, no, I am not. That's not what I'm into. I'm in, and I, I, I go and explain like, oh, I understand now. Or so like, oh, you still, that so squid stuff. I'm like, no, it's, there's no squids in any of the animes I watch, except Pokemon. But yeah, and I feel like that's what turns people off from like exploring anime is like the bad rap anime gets because of like people just like assuming that it's all women. And there is a problem with that as well as like there like anime seems to objectify women. Like, I feel like the newer animes are stopping that, but there's definitely some. There's definitely a niche of anime where women are objectified, but there's definitely a lot of anime where women are powerful. And that's what I appreciate about anime, like Sailor Moon. I've loved Sailor Moon, Princess Mononoke, and a lot of Kiki's like, flying delivery service. And Chichiro, she's a strong female character. Mm -hmm. And I feel like anime is definitely on the up and up, and I definitely like it more that people are starting to explore it and really get into it more. And because uh, I, I coach a high school soccer team, and these kids are talking about watching anime, like a lot of them are, and like they're fans of it. And I remember when I was younger, it was like three of my friends we watched anime, and that was it. We were like the only ones at my grade school that watched it. And nowadays, like it's become more popular. Like I'm starting to see anime like clothing being sold at stores, which blows my mind away. And I and. I would, and I dedicate that all to Adult Swim, having Dragon Ball Z and Cowboy Bebop and Inuyasha and all these things that opened my mind to anime and my local library for having it on deck on VHS and then DVD and now you can just watch it, stream it online. And it's like, there's so much out there that you can watch. And I think actually, I think Spirit Away 
is actually on Netflix. I'm not for sure yet. But um, that's just all I have to say. Like, you want to sum up the ending, like, your last few thoughts on this before we wrap it up? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Studio Ghibli and Spirit Away are, you know, one of the most, I call them, not just as anime, but as just general cinema. Um, very important movies that people need to experience and see because they're pieces of art and they tell beautiful stories and beautiful universes um, that many, many, many other types of uh, movies can't really stack up to, um, you know, and that's a real testament to Miyazaki. Um, but I really do think, you know, if if you're curious about anime or um, any sort of, uh, you know, anime type film slash show, I definitely recommend starting out with, um, you know, movies like Spirited Away because they really bring you in in a way that you feel it feels familiar yet nostalgic at the same time and you just don't know why but you're you're in the universe and you're invested and it just kind of eases you in in a in a really really natural way Mm -hmm. yeah that's the way i describe it um well that wraps up this episode of red reviews thanks a lot cameron for uh like bless me with like your voice on this podcast. You're more than welcome to come on. And if you know, if anyone wants to be on an episode of Rider Views, just get in contact with me. I think pretty soon I'm probably gonna make a, a some page for you to get in contact with me. Like I'm, I've tried to make this as grassroots as possible, just because it's like a ho- this is a hobby to me. But if you know, if anyone wants to be on it, let me know. Um, thanks a lot, Cameron, and uh, that's the end of the episode. Thanks a lot. Alrighty.